world and, and through you and through us as a church. Whew. All right. I hope I can make it through today. We've been talking about the gospel and the good news and what the last, taking since Easter, really starting on Easter, we really felt compelled to share and talk about what is literally, what is the gospel? If someone asked you that question, or, or if you were asked, would you be able to say, it's this, this, and this? And so we talked about, I, I broke it down into three parts, which the first two were the last couple weeks. If you miss, you can tune in online and, and catch up. But first, we talked about the gospel is a restructuring of our heart. Right, God restructures our heart in a way where we encounter really what he meant and came to do on the cross, and our, our heart gets revolutionized. Then we talked about the gospel removes sin. It removes sin. That was last week. We looked at three main temptations, the temptation to ha- feel, the temptation to have, and the temptation to be. Three big things that all through Scripture, the devil, devil doesn't really have any new tricks. He has the same old tricks. He wants you to, to feel the way you want to feel and have what you want to have and be what you want to be in the wrong way, right? And so we looked at 1 John where it said, everything of the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Have, feel, B, and we talked about some antidotes. How do you overcome those main temptations, right? And so you can listen online to catch that. Today I want to look at the, the third thing is the gospel reverses our values. The gospel literally gives us new values, a new way of seeing things. And to do that, we're going to look at a super challenging text, Galatians chapter 2, and One of the reasons I've never preached from this text is I'm not sure I've been able to communicate uh, what's happening. And and I think I've spent so much time praying and reading, God, help me communicate literally how you you reverse our values. And so we're going to look at five reversals and how Jesus, when he came and through his good news, reversed our values. And I want to just point out, still by introduction, uh, the gospel is not, uh, it's, it's not uh, following, a, it's not moralism, right? It's not following rules, otherwise that would be religion. Amen, Josh. The gospel is not self-discovery, which would be secularism, trying to, I'm going to find myself and who I'm supposed to be and what I want. That would be secular. That's not the gospel. The gospel is uh, being saved through faith, not by works, but by grace, right? That's, that's the gospel, and we're going to look at these kind of five angles of how Jesus reverses the way our, our values, the kind of natural way we have He gives us a whole, in fact, the gospel isn't just a way to see the world. We want to see through the gospel. It's a whole new worldview. It's a whole new paradigm. It's a whole new, it's a whole new way to see things. You see, it's like a lens. You see the whole world in a new way. 
That's how good it is. You see the, the world in a whole new way, and that's the gospel. You go, wow, I didn't know it could be this good, and God loved me that much. Right? That's the good news. And so, man, we got to read the scripture. And I want you to listen to this. And as we read it, you may feel, well, I'm not sure how it applies, but I, I think this text, Galatians 2, 11 to 21, will really speak to how uh, people live in the wrong religious kind of paradigm. And we're going to see how the gospel reverses our values. Are you with me? Say amen. But when Cephas, verse 11, this is also Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Could you imagine opposing Peter, an apostle? What happened to the lovey gospel? I opposed Peter. Wow, to his face. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. There's the Democrats, Republicans, Independents. The circumcision party. Ugh, no thank you. What's going on here? I'll explain later maybe. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them so that even Barnabas, even Barney, was led astray. Sorry, that's my liberty there. Led astray by their hypocrisy. In verse 14, wow, I can't wait to get to this in a minute. But when I saw that their conduct was not in line or in step with the truth of the gospel, your Bible might say in line with the gospel or in step with the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, though a Jew, like, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Verse 16, yet we know the person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus so also have we believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because of the works of the law, no one will be justified. Pause, are we under law or are we under grace? We're under grace. I want to try to explain that today, so bear with me. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too have found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what was torn down, I proved myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I, did, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life now that I live in the flesh, I live in the faith in the Son of God, whom, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify this grace, for if the righteousness were through the law, then Christ had no purpose. Do you know Galatians is Paul's angriest letter. It, more than Corinthians, where it's Christians gone wild in Corinthians, he, these people went off the, off the rockers, but Galatians, Paul really gets upset because they've moved 
from grace back to law, and even Peter the apostle, and Barney, right? And so the gospel reverses, our, it's a reversal of values. Everything we thought that was true about religion is not. When we encounter the true gospel, right? So number one, there's five reversals that I think happen that we can see through this text. The first is it's a reversal from uh, good rules to good news. There's nothing wrong with good rules, right? How many have rules around the house? You have rules in the office. You have rules where you live. You have rules. We have rules in our city. You can't talk on your cell phone. You can't text while you, I I love looking over and seeing people, they think they're sneaky texting and driving. I wish I had like a a zapper. I see you. Just got him. Oh, you got me. (laughs) You know, they look up, you can see their eyes, they're down there texting or on their Facebook. Well, there's rules that, uh, that apply, but the gospel isn't just good It's more than good rules, it's good news because it's founded on a person named Jesus Christ. And in the book of Acts in particular, anytime the gospel is shared, see we we often, and through this series I've been talking about the points of the gospel in that, uh, try to outline it, and the way I was taught as a college student was God loves you and has a plan for your life, right? Right? but man sinned, it is sinful and separated from that love. Jesus came down and died so he can pay your price and then when he pays the price, you can, you can repent of your sins and you have eternal life, right? And so sometimes I think we think the gospels are the ABCs, the simple stuff, right? The basics, but really what I want to communicate today is the gospel is the A disease. It's how we live. It's a reversal of everything we've ever thought. And it's good news. It's not just good rules. We know there's rules and we want to live by certain principles, amen? But it's good news based on a person. And when the disciples in Acts came and Peter preached in Acts 2, he said, man, What they did was they recounted the life of Jesus. They didn't necessarily share these three or four steps of how to get to heaven and get out of hell. They shared about Jesus. They shared good, and this is news about a man that lived and died for you and was hung on a tree and he paid the price and he had a sinless life. And because of that, you are accepted by God Almighty. When you repent of your sins, you can have eternal life, not just up there, but here on life you can live differently. Right? So it's good news. It's a reversal. It's, it's not just Moses coming down from the mountain with, with 10 commandments and here's the rules. If it was just about rules, we might as well be another faith. Like the five pillars of Islam or the seven tenets of Buddhism and things that you have to follow to make it. No, we don't follow tenets, we follow a person. And his name is Jesus and it's good news. That's the first reversal. Number two, right? I forgot what it is. It's a reversal of the religious order. There's a whole new order. Thanks, Bob. 
You're keeping me, keeping me going there. It's a whole new order. See this circumcision group, and we're not going to get into all of that what that means exactly, but it may not be, mean what you think it means. See, both groups, there's this circumcision group and the church, the, the Gentiles that Paul's leading, actually both believe in Jesus. Both believed he's the Messiah, but they have a different order to things. And the, the order that the circumcision group believed was, first, uh, you believe that you believe in God. That's the first. They, they believe you have to believe in God. And secondly, they thought you have to follow the law. You have to follow all of the law. And thirdly, they said if you, if you believe in Jesus and you follow the law, you will be saved. That's what they thought, the circumcision group. If you believe in Jesus, follow the law, do what's right, You'll be saved. Paul didn't see it that way. It's a new order. He believed and he preached, if you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. And then out of that salvation, you want to obey. You want to follow. You want to follow. Maybe not all of the law. We'll get to that in the next point. But right there's a whole new order to things. Are you with me? That's why Paul's so angry. He's saying, man, you guys are trying to get people saved through works of the law. And even Peter, who had had a vision in Acts 10 and 11, God showed him all these unclean, unclean things that were made clean. He's going, Peter, you're leading people back into the old way, the old order. Is anyone with me today? Both believed in Jesus, but they had a, they had a different order. And if, let me ask two questions. One, um, do you obey to be accepted? Do you live a life? Do you obey? Do you tithe? Do you come to church so Jesus likes you more? See, if you do, you'd be part of this circumcision group. If you do things so God likes you more, you'd be part of that group. And man, I'm going to earn God's approval. Let me ask another question. What if you were totally accepted in Jesus? How would that change how you live? See, they were, they were living to gain their approval through what they did. Earning their salvation. It's just justification through obeying. Not through faith. Right? And so it's a whole new, it's a whole new order of doing things. And one of the, my favorite stories in the Bible is the uh, prodigal son. Wave at me if you know that story. It really should be called the prodigal sons. Because one son that ran away and lived this terrible life, everything we think of that really is those bad sins, Right? Wild living, he ran out. He's the first lost son. He's the son lost outside of the house, but there's a son lost in the house. That's the older brother. And the circumcision group is like the older brother who's doing everything right, thinking he's gaining his approval through his works. Right? Dad, how can you treat our younger brother that way? I've done everything right and everything you've asked. And his father said, son, 
I've loved, everything I have is yours. I love you no matter what. You don't have to do the works to gain my approval. I love you. Right? It's a whole, it's a new order. And I wonder how many of us live our life living in the old way of, man, I love God and I accept him. I need to obey so I'm accepted. If you do, you're stuck in that, in the circumcision group that Paul's confronting in Galatians 2. No offense meant by that. Take no pleasure in this part of the message. You know what? Martin Luther struggled with this. He was a a monk who lived around the, I think he's born late 1400s, into the 1500s, and he was a Bible teacher. He had this pious life. He did everything right, but he had no joy in, his sal- in salvation. He had no assurance of salvation. And what he grappled with was Romans 1, I think 15 and 16, where uh, God talks about, or Paul talked about the righteousness of God. And he thought it was something he had to earn or attain. And all the while, he's being this nice little monk guy. But he had no, he had no assurance of salvation. Oh, there's my notes down there. How am I going to do the message if they're blowing all over? No, it's all right. Romans 1, 16 and 17 troubled him, and he said this. I don't know if you have Martin Luther's quote as a slide bomb, but you could pop it off if there you do. Uh, he said this. Finally, by the mercy of God, I meditated day and night. I paid attention to the context of the words. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed as it is written. He who through faith is righteous shall live. I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely faith. This then is the meaning. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, the passive righteousness with with which the merciful God justifies us by faith as it is written The righteous one lives by faith. Here, I felt that it was altogether born again and had entered a paradise itself through the open gates. As he grappled with, man, here I am trying to be righteous, trying to obey and attain my salvation and trying to be so righteous. And as God spoke to him through Romans, he's he's born again when he realized it's Christ's righteousness given to me. It's a gift of grace by faith that no one can boast. Someone say amen. And so it's it's good news, right? It's a new religious order. And then the third thing is uh, God reversed uh, who is clean. And let me explain that. He reversed who is clean. See, Paul or Peter and Barnabas... Could you imagine, I want you guys to, let's bring this to today. And imagine someone asks you out to dinner, but you won't sit with them. Imagine you're holy and righteous, and you've been doing what you should do, but you go, no, you guys are going to have to sit over there. We sit over here. Could you imagine? Imagine how those Gentile believers, when Peter, the great, Peter the apostle comes and says, man, I want to eat with you guys, but you know what? You're unclean. When the, when the circumcision group, the group from James and from Jerusalem came, 
confuse Peter. He had had a vision. God had to show him this amazing vision. A sheet dropped down from heaven of all these unclean animals. And God said, Peter, take and eat. Hunt, kill. No, Lord, those are unclean. Don't call unclean what I've made clean. Remember that? That happened before. This is why Paul's so angry. I confronted him to his face. <laughs> what an amazing text. And so, listen, here's what, here's what I believe the text is saying. Everyone in Christ is equally clean. And everyone outside of Christ is equally unclean. That's what the gospel's saying. There's no hierarchy. There's no holier than thou. There's no, we're the kind of spiritual ones. If you're in Christ, you're clean. And if you're not, you're not. We don't treat them like they're unclean. We love them and try to bring them in. But Peter's acting as if he's better than these Gentile believers. But there's a new re reversal of order where God's saying, no, everyone in me is clean. Right? Right? Everyone, in, and so when I said earlier, we, we believe, we're saved, and we obey the law, what parts of the law do we obey? Right, good question. Have you ever wondered that? If I'm under grace and not under the law, do we, do we not follow the Ten Commandments anymore? Right? See, the Jews had so many laws. Guys, here's... Here's where I had to really grapple with this. They had so many laws. Not only did they have the Ten Commandments, they had clean laws, and they had sacrifice laws, okay? They had all these things you had to wash before you ate. Remember, the, Jesus got, he got nailed on this stuff all the time by the religious. Your disciples eat the bread, and your disciples don't wash, and your disciples don't fast, Right? Your disciples, they're basically not clean. They're not following the clean laws. See, if you touch mildew, you were unclean. You couldn't worship. If you touched a dead body, the, I don't know why you would, but if you did, you're unclean. It's like stand by me all over again, right? So there's all these rules that would say if you're, you're clean or not, and you could come to God's presence if you were clean, and then there's sacrifice laws of you could sacrifice a lamb and you had to do all this and pay the price for your sin. All Old Testament. But here's the good news for us. Who needs good news today? See, Jesus fulfilled the clean laws because he came and he lived a clean life. He didn't sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we can become the righteousness of God. You mean to tell me we get his righteousness? He took our filth and we get his righteousness? That seems too good to be true. That's why it's the gospel, the good news. It's why Paul inserted a heckler in Romans. Paul preaches grace all, all through Romans and, it, and it, it seems too good to be true. And is it Romans 5 or 6? I forget. But he said, so do we go on sinning that grace abounds? Who knows what a heckler is? Someone that, ah, always, ah, what about this? What about? Well, Paul inserts his own heckler into the text. Because grace is so good, it deserves to be heckled. He preaches it so good that he said, well, this seems so amazing, you're going to just go on sinning. Right? 
That's what it seems like. To me, it seems it's so good. Well, if he died for me and I'm clean, if he lived the life I should have lived, right, and died the death I should have died so I can have the righteousness that he should have gotten and live eternal life that he should get, that seems way too good to be true, but it's the gospel because he makes everything unclean clean. And so that's why Paul's so upset when he says, man, you won't even eat with these brothers that have been accepted through faith. They're made clean. They're just as clean as you are, Peter, because I fulfilled the clean laws and I fulfilled the sacrifice laws because I'm the end of every single sacrifice. And so we do follow. We obey God's commandments. We obey his word and his law, but it's not to get justified. We're justified by faith. It's because we want to obey him, right? Are you with me? So uh, it's a reversal of who's clean and who's not. And I think the key to all this is verse 14, where it said, uh, Paul said, Peter, you're not living in line or in step with the gospel. Now, how many of you have honestly thought the gospel's when you get saved, it's the beginning? And this is why I think it's not just the ABCs, but the A to Z. Because he t this is Peter. Peter preached the first sermon in Acts 2. Peter is the rock. That's a good nickname. I want to be the rock. Right? This is Peter who's walked on water. Peter has done quite a few things. Peter cut off that ear of that guard and Jesus healed it. Peter's a radical guy. And, and Paul has the audacity to tell Peter, you're not living in line with the gospel. So you may ask the question, well, grace is so good. You're preaching it too good. We'll go on sinning and not obey the law. That's the point. The gospel should affect everything from beginning to end, and, and we want to walk the line, Johnny Cash. I want to follow him. I want to please him. I, everything in my life should be affected by the gospel. My finances should be affected by the gospel. My relationship with my wife affected by the gospel. How I treat others affected by the gospel. And, and notice what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, Peter, you're breaking the no racism law. Stop being a racist. Right? You guys are quiet. Am I not connecting? He doesn't say, we shouldn't be racist, somebody say amen. And he, but he could have said that. Peter, stop being, you're being literally racist to the Gentile believers and won't, that's racism at its worst or close. You won't eat with them because you think they're unclean. But he doesn't say that. He says, Peter, you're not living in line with the gospel. Why? Because you could beat someone with the law and say, stop doing that, but it won't have any effect. What people need, guys, is to live the gospel, a, trans, a reversal of values, of good news, and a new order, and now I'm clean, and everyone else in Christ is, so treat them that way. I didn't mean to yell at you right then. Right? 
Peter, you stop that. Stop. See, he could have brought the law, but he didn't. He said, live in the gospel. Is that helping anyone? Live in the gospel, number four. We gotta get through this so you're happy. The gospel isn't just good news. It's not just a new order. It's not just clean. New people are clean. It's a reversal of status. It's a new status. It's more than a second chance religion. Have you ever thought, well... How many of you have ever said, and I think I asked this in the message about sin, how many of you have ever asked the question or told God, I'll never do that again? And you did it again, right? And so we think, and I've heard it taught, the gospel is not just a second chance, but a third, fourth, fifth, and to infinity. How many are glad for a second chance, though, really? But see, where we get it wrong is, although it is a gospel of the second chance, we think it's another chance for me to prove myself. I'm going to really show God this time how good I can be. I'm going to really live right this time. It's like a New Year's resolution gone wrong for the thousandth time. Right? Because we don't understand it's a new status. See, the gospel is a status we receive now, not just a reward you receive later. And I need you to get that. Or you won't get the whole message today. It's a status you get now. When you're saved, you get a new status. Not just I'm going to heaven, but I have a status as a son. I have a status as a believer. I have a status as a daughter. I have a status of someone who's accepted by God. It's a status you get now. You get it now. You're not earning that. How many remember, oh brother, where where art thou? Remember that? I went down to the river to pray. No, we don't want to have a, we don't need a special by me. That baptism scene, remember that where the, it's, is it, um, tell me you guys know the names of the guys. Um, Tim Blake Nelson is one of the characters and uh, who's the famous guy, the famous actor? George Clooney. They're going down and they're watching this baptism service, everyone in white, they're going down in the water and Tim Blake Nelson runs, to, runs all of a sudden they're criminals that have escaped and done terrible things. He runs down in the water and he's baptized and he comes out and he says, the Lord has washed us, something like paraphrase, so don't be too hard on me if I don't get it just right, but... Um, the Lord has washed my sins away. Even that piggly wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo City. <laughs> George Clooney says, you, say, you said you were framed for that. Yeah. Well, I was lying and the Lord washed that away too. <laughs> Remember that? So funny. But he said something like, now I have a second chance and I'm not going to blow it this time. Do See how quickly, though, if if we have to try to prove God in our second chance, we need to know once we go into that water, we've truly received salvation. We're sons and daughters of God. You don't need to prove your salvation to him. Jesus proved the Father. That's proof enough. Come on. It's a status you receive now. You literally receive it now. This is why I think Paul is so hard on Peter. He's going, man, you're you're." You're trying to challenge people's status in the kingdom. 
So this is a few key verses, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Oh, oh, 2.21, thank you. It's five. For our sake, he who made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Did you know when you're saved, your status is Jesus' righteousness? You are, you have a new status. Another great verse is in Romans where it talks about uh, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit and we're children of God. We have this new status as kids, as, as his sons, as his daughters. Can I tell you one of my favorite, just as a dad, and you may witness this on a Sunday, but when service ends, one of my favorite parts of the meeting, and I love you guys all equally, I'll just say that right now. But when my kids come out of Sunday school and they run in, do you know what I mean? When your kids get out of class, I don't see all my kids in the morning because I leave early sometimes with my son, my personal assistant. I call him, Dad, do you got your coffee? Do you got your Bible? Do you got your wallet? Do you got your keys? Do you got your phone? We get down the driveway today. He's going through the list. Nope, no phone. Turn around. Thank you. The Lord gave me a son. But when we finish a meeting, one of my kids come running in here and they're happy to see me. Man, I'll scoop them up and grab them. Uh, Mickey, I might even throw in the air and it might frighten you, but don't worry, she's pretty safe. Let me ask you this question. When I grab them and hug them, is she more of a daughter in my arms than she was on the ground? She's not. She's just experiencing my love. See, it's a status. Sometimes we think we're outside of the love of God, and God wants to wrap us up in his arms. But if we've been living like the older brother, trying to earn our salvation or gain status, I think a few things can happen. One, see, if we live in the old order, we become anxious. Everyone say anxious. We become anxious because we don't know if we're saved or not. You live so anxious. I'm trying to, I remember growing up as a kid and the preacher literally saying, man, you don't want to be caught going to that movie. Because if it's a bad movie, meaning a rated R movie, and Jesus comes right then, you won't be called up in the sky. Remember that? So in other words, I'm saved and I'm not. I'm saved, I'm not. I'm saved, I'm not. That's just like saying, I'm a son, I'm not. I'm a son, I'm not. I'm a son, I'm not. See, my kids don't need to earn their status proving to me how clean they can keep their room and follow the rules of my home, my sons and, and my four daughters. I have four daughters. <laughs> so I'm gonna start the savings fund right now, the wedding. <laughs> no. Uh, I was in a wedding, side note. Someone tapped me on the shoulder and they pointed at my four girls. They said, 10, 20, 30, $40,000. <sighs> it's a status you have now, not just a reward you earn later. Is anyone hearing this? My daughter, my son, if I pick them up, they're no more of a son or a daughter. I'm just expressing my love to them. Some of you need to step in. See, we can become anxious, or if we think we can earn our self salvation, we become selfish. 
Because it's literally salvation through works or salvation through our own justification and trying to please God through what we can do. And that's why people become self-righteous. Because they're trying to show God what they can do and earn that salvation. Or we become self-loathing of, man, I haven't done enough to earn his favor. Come on, guys, let's live as if we're approved now. It's a reversal of status. Everyone smile. That's really great news today. Before we get to the last point, um, I heard Tim Keller share this great story. It's about a, a kingdom galaxy far, far away. Actually, it's about a kingdom and a gardener. And all these subjects of the kingdom came to visit this king in his huge palace and his huge... Uh, everyone came and when you visit the king, you bring gifts. Well, this humble gardener brought a carrot. Any gardeners in the house, wave at me. He brought this carrot and it was the most magnificent carrot he'd ever grown. In fact, of all the thousands and thousands of carrots over the years, this one was the most picturesque and the most beautiful. And he came and he presented it and he brought it to the king and he said, King, I brought you this carrot. I'm a gardener and this is the nicest one I've ever had. And the king discerned his heart. Realized he's bringing this great gift, a gift truly from the heart. And he said, you know what? The king said, I own a field next to your garden and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to double, essentially double your garden because you've cared for me today. Amazing, right? And so the gardener smiles and thinks, wow, if I had three acres before and now I have six, imagine what I can do. And he went home totally ecstatic. Well, there's a nobleman in the court watching all this. Thought, wow, brings a carrot and he gets three acres. That's pretty good, Right? The next day, see, the nobleman raised the, these beautiful horses. And he decides, I'm going to bring a horse to the king. And he leads this, his, one of his nicest steeds into the, into the palace and into the kingdom and presents it to the king. And he says, uh, king, oh, my liege, I present thee with my greatest of steeds. And here's the blah, 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 the lineage and all that stuff. Gives the king the horse and the king takes it. And leaves. <laughs> and he, wait a minute. You know, and the king discerned his heart and he said, listen, the gardener gave the carrot to me, but you're giving the horse to yourself. You're giving the horse to yourself. See, some of us give to God in order to attain a status. That's not the gospel. That's not how it works. Guys, if it was, it, we would be the circumcision group. We're not that group. We're gospel of grace through faith. And everything we give to God isn't to earn or attain something. It's because we love him and he's our king. And he saved us. Someone say amen. Lastly, the last reversal, it's a reversal of strength. What if the gospel was a kingdom by the strong for the strong? me explain. What if it, God came strong, wiped out the enemy, so those of us that are strong could be saved? 
See, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus said funny things. This is why it's such a reversal. The gospel such a flips everything on its head. Because he said, I didn't come to be served, but to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. The strongest of all the universe gave up the most. He became weak so he can lift us up. Are you with me? See, if it was for the strong, by the strong, for the strong, we would all come in here carrying the biggest Bibles, praying the loudest prayers, singing our loudest, doing our best to appease God, but that's not what he wants. He wants us to say, God, without you, I'm bankrupt. I've got nothing without you. I've got nothing without you, my king. See, Jesus came as a servant, and from borrowed womb to borrowed tomb, there were no vacancies from Bethlehem to Calvary. His whole life, he lived a life as a servant and as a a giver and as someone that gave even to the cross where his hands were nailed and his feet were nailed and he became a, strength was reversed for our sake, right? Strength was reversed. It's a reversal. The gospel's a reversal of strength and that really is good news for us today for those of us that are weak, Those of us that, let's land the plane. Those of us that don't measure up. Those, see, if if it was for the strong, if, if by your strength you could be saved, you know what you wouldn't have? Humility. And the inverse is true too. If you failed all the time, you wouldn't have boldness. You wouldn't have any boldness. But Jesus came and laid down his Life. He picked up a cross. It's a reversal of strength. How many are glad we have a humble king today? We have a humble king. Performance leads to no humility, and failure would lead to lack of boldness. But we have a king that reversed. It's the inside, upside down. I forgot my title. It's upside down and inside out gospel doesn't make sense to the natural mind. In fact, God's thoughts aren't our thoughts. His ways aren't our ways. Are you living in line with the gospel? If, if Paul were to confront you and ask you, man, live in line with the gospel. Don't treat people another way. I think it would revolutionize our city and our world if we got a glimpse of this gospel if our values were totally reversed. See, the reason my kids don't need to earn my approval is I'm their dad. I love them. I do. Even later in life, if heaven forbid and hear my heart, even if they took the path. See, I was a prodigal son. I was like the son that left the house. And I had siblings that stayed in. But you can be in the house and lost, just as lost as the son who leaves if you don't know the gospel. If my kids were ever to leave, would my love change for my kids? No. Would their status ever change as my kids? Would the approval I have for them ever change as my kids? No, because I love them and I would love them the same. I would love them back into the house. And so God's great gospel, Jesus lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. 
so we can be accepted by God, not for our own sake or our own glory, but for his. That's the gospel. That's the gospel in a nutshell. He lived the perfect life and died a terrible death so we can be accepted. And that's great news. He, he reverses everything. And so if you've been trying to be strong and show your faith, it'll be a no effect. And if you've treated people outside the kingdom poorly, you're like the circumcision group and you need to repent and walk in line with the gospel and say, God, I'm sorry. We want to walk in step with the gospel. And when we do, the world will see that truth. They'll be compelled to come in into that kingdom, into that home. And like the lost son who ran in, he's given a robe, he's given a ring. Remember that story? He's given a feast and the older brother said, you never gave, it's sort of humorous, but he said, you never gave me a goat. You never made me a barbecue, dad. Can you imagine how heartbroken the dad must have been? Everything I have is yours. Realizing that his son has been working for approval when he is just a son. Come on, guys, the upside down, inside out. How revolutionary and amazing is this gospel of Jesus? God's invasion, last thing, God's invasion of the world brought an inversion. God reverses the position of insiders and outsiders. Those who have position of authority and privilege rejected Jesus. But people who had the most despised position in the world received the gospel gladly. The leper, the demon-possessed, the woman with the issue of blood, Syrophoenician woman, the little children, the blind, the lame, the woman that anointed him with her hair and, and wept and whitewashed his feet with his tears, the centurion at the cross. All put forward by the gospel as amazing examples of people in the society that were outcasts, and Jesus said, I receive the weak. I receive the weak. I don't know how else to say it. Jesus was treated as if he did everything you did, and you're treated as if you did everything he did. That's the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we, I know for sure in this room, maybe we've lived a different gospel. And this story of, of Peter and Paul that I've never really been able to get my, I, honest as even as a preacher, get my heart and mind around law and grace and seeing everything you really did, it hasn't made sense, but I know today, God, you love me and you have a plan for my life. And you were treated as if I should have. You took the punishment on yourself. Amazing, God, you're amazing. And I get to live 
in the rewards that you should have gotten on earth and even later in heaven. So thank you now for this gospel status that I get to receive freely through faith. Maybe there's some of us today who how do I put it? Maybe some of us have been out of the house, ran away from God. You've been lost, away from the good news. Jesus says, I love you. I have a plan for your life. Maybe there's some of you who've been in the house. You've been a believer for a lot, even a lot of years, so many years. And maybe you felt a bit lost in the house because you've had the wrong order. You've tried to, man, God, see me, I'm here. And it might be as simple as you didn't have a mom or a dad that were there or approved, and you just, you just would love approval in life. Maybe it's a spouse you didn't feel approval from. Maybe you've been in the house and you're saying, God, here I am. I've tried to do everything right. You can be just as lost as the other brother. The good news today is Jesus loves you both. See, the word prodigal, the prodigal son in that story, the word prodigal means excess. It means a prodigal son. He lived a life of excess. I'm so grateful for a prodigal God. What a God of excess that gave so much. He died such a death so we can have such, thank you, Jesus. Come on, just take a minute. Lord, we thank you for an amazing gospel. Amazing good news. Please, Lord, let this message not just be words in our head. Uh, touch our heart, please, Lord. Help us share it with the community and beyond. In the bitter at this morning, I know they've wrapped up their meeting, but bless them. Downtown tonight at Revive Downtown, let the gospel go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm going to ask our ministry team to come forward. If you, need, if you have any prayer need, maybe you've never heard the gospel presented like you did today and you just want to, you want someone to pray with you or, man, you say, I need the, I need the gospel in my heart. Man, we'd covet the chance to pray with you, please. If you've never given your life to the Lord and responded to that great salvation, please, Respond today and say, man, I, I need prayer. I want someone to agree with me. I know someone will be out in the foyer to give you information or a new believer pack or a guest pack, but please respond. Healing need anything. You need more of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? You come to the right place. We want to pray for you. So please come forward. Otherwise, you guys are dismissed. Have an amazing day.